So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. It's bright and early on Thursday morning. It is snowing here in Riverton, Wyoming. I think it's the first snow we've gotten this year. But I have got um, Steve, well, Father Stephen Gadbury. I've actually had uh, Stephen on the podcast before, but uh, we lost the dang podcast. And so maybe it'll be better this time, hopefully, uh, since I lost it. But uh, yeah, thank you for, for hopping on this morning. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I'm looking forward to talking to you. It's going to be 81 degrees here today by the forecast, so quite a difference in Arkansas versus Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no no kidding. Well, can you uh, – so I don't skip this over because uh, generally once I have somebody on, I forget to say, hey, uh, tell everybody about yourself, but tell everybody a little bit about yourself um, and, uh, you know, just your background. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm an Arkansas native, born and raised in Arkansas. I grew up in the Arkansas Delta. That's the – the eastern part of the state that runs the Mississippi River. I was born and raised on a on a family farm. We grew rice and soybeans. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was eight. Uh, I was in a pretty bad car wreck with my father and all my siblings. And my father and older sister passed away. My mom, she she survived. She was pregnant with twins. So I say that to say I, I kind of grew up being the man of the house. The older one and the oldest sibling that's alive, the oldest kid, oldest living kid. So from a very early age, kind of took on that responsibility of kind of being the man at the house, would help out the family farm. Started working as soon as I could, you know, worked at a radio station, a pizza place, a state park, golf course, kind of like regular high school kid stuff. You know, get a job wherever you can. Um, after high school, I went to college for a year and hated it. Then I joined the military and loved it. I was in, that took me to Texas, Germany, central Iraq. Um, I did logistics, which doesn't sound exciting, but I had a really good time. I was hazmat qualified, so hazardous material qualified. So I was shipping bombs and explosives and corrosive materials and, and just biological things. And it was just really kind of a creepy and, and scary job at times, but really fun. Um, 2008. I got out of the military and went to seminary to begin uh, priestly formation. It's an eight-year process to become a Catholic priest. Uh, so I studied philosophy for four years in southern Louisiana with a, at a Benedictine monastery. So it was really cool, just like a big castle down in southern Louisiana. There I majored in philosophy. After that, I studied theology for four years in Rome, Italy. At the, at the Vatican, so you could say at headquarters. And then uh, I've been a priest here in Arkansas since uh, 2016, just uh, uh, bouncing around all over the state. For the last five years, I was in a small uh, kind of rural parish in north central Arkansas. Now I'm in Little Rock, and I have around almost about 10,000 people at the church here. I'm, I'm the head pastor. I've got one associate. We have a, a grade school, uh, preschool through eighth. And uh, just a bunch of bunch of people, a lot of stuff going on. So that's kind of my, my life in a nutshell. So um, with uh, like having someone like like you on, I, I I've had done a little a few podcasts where I've had um, uh, people may, maybe that specialize in mental health or you know and in in 
with this podcast, it's kind of weird because when I say weird, we have mostly hunters on. Sometimes we could have a physical therapist or a podiatrist. Um, but when yeah. I, I had had uh, Jay Balaton on at one point and super good dude and that podcast um, went really well. It was received far better than I thought, but I had a ton of feedback from guys having some men specifically having some mental issues and stress. And uh, so, you know, one of the things I just want to cover is we'll talk about hunting, but uh, also what you do on a day-to-day basis. Um, You know, on on my end, not being down with JC as much as I probably should be, um, you you know, you you obviously have, you live your life um, in that, that world. So probably deal with a lot of problems working with different, you know, from youth all the way up to full grown men like myself that can't keep their shit together. So yeah, kind of on your day to day, before we get into hunting, um, you know, what's that been like, you know, being in the military, doing what you did before that, obviously kind of a, a wild childhood, meaning what you went through. I mean, How's that go for you? I mean, how big is, well, how big is your church like on a day to day? I mean, are you kind of a life coach or, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, man, it's uh every day is a, is a new day. So being a Catholic priest, it's, I'm really not specializing in any single thing. You know, I take that back. Like I've, I've studied a lot. So I have a lot of like specializations, technically speaking, but in day to day life, man, it's, um, uh, it's just a, just a, a, a swath of so many different things. So kind of what was the phrase, you know, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And so, yeah, there can be like some life coaching. If you use that phrase, people just coming for life advice or general direction. Sometimes we'll call it spiritual direction, sort of that spiritual guidance, because as, as you said, like you're a grown man, don't have your stuff together. Me either, you know, and most humans don't because we're like, we're broken we know the concrete things to do and we can we can struggle to get those things done sometimes we get them done sometimes we don't what i mean is like basic virtues and life habits that we all know we need to do don't be a freaking slob you know and if we mess up with those things we can somehow mentally justify it we can we can understand why but the thing that most of us struggle with is the stuff between the ears and the stuff down in the chest like those deepest feelings of humanity that we don't know what the hell is going on and we can't do anything to fix it no matter how hard we work. And that's what really gets people off kilter. And so a lot of my ministry is helping people navigate those dark storms that they encounter when they don't know when the lights are going to come on or when they're going to come out of the tunnel. So a lot of my daily life is that. So for example, it could be, it could be, um, it could be a, a parent, a, you know, 45 year old uh, parent who's, you know, 15 year old kid. They just found out of smoking, smoking dope for the, and, and they're trying to get their kid off drugs. They don't know what's going on. Or a young couple who was madly in love. And then a year later, they're having marriage problems or somebody struggling with an addiction and uh, or um, somebody in the family, you know, is gay. And so the rest of the family is like trying to make sense of like, what's, we got all these relationship stuff going on and like, well, what's, you know, so that's, that's a little kind of a a snippet of, of, of things that it could be. So, um, I, you know, yeah, obviously with with the, like the, and I'm not, my ex-wife is a, I guess a Lutheran minister, if you can believe that. Um, and with all the different religions, obviously, all of them are a little bit 
different. And this was something I had trouble wrapping my, you know, head around right, wrong or indifferent. Like sometimes people, me specifically for a long time, based religion off of people that went to church. And I strongly recommend not doing that because that you will find maybe when I say, eh, you, you may talk yourself out of religion because of not religion, but because of specific things certain people do that are religious mm-hmm. in their mind, meaning maybe they're hypocritical, maybe they're not living the perfect life that you think they should, and then it's kind of hypocritical or, you know, whatever mental gymnastics you want to put on that where, you know, as I've kind of come to terms with my own feelings and beliefs, the one thing that, you know, I've found is religion's kind of like archery. You make of it what you want. And when I say that, don't base your religious views off of who is in the church or someone you met that claims to be religious. It's really going to be your relationship with the specific religion or God that you believe in. And I probably screwed that up, but what are your, what's your take on what I just said? (laughs) 100% agree. And, and I'm, this is my, you could say it's my profession is my full-time job. And I hundred percent agree because there's so many people that I've seen in religion, if you, we can use that word, that term broadly, um, who have been amazing examples for me because they embodied what those bigger uh, principles were. So this person who embodies these greater teachings, and then whenever they screw up, you're like, holy shit, like this is not what I was believing in. And then it just creates this, this quandary inside. And then very often it's easier to turn away from a a religion or a philosophy of some sort than to somebody that we love, even if they get on our nerves and we can't stand them because it's easier to, to kick away something that's kind of in the abstract to us than something that's real and concrete. So yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And it's important in those situations to, in all life stuff to, recognize the models and the examples that we have in this, in this social media age, there's so many people that we follow, you know, to use that term. And because in one way or another, they embody a principle or a belief or a truth that, that we want to embody or follow as well. But then whenever they mess up, that really confuses us. And so th- then we end up really revealing that we were following them the whole time and not the greater principle. So, like to take with the hunting stuff, like archery. Man, I love hunting. I love archery. And, you know, we make of it a, of our own, as you said. We kind of do do what we do to, to become the best archer we can. But there are a few basic principles for archery that you got to follow if you want to be a good, you know, like you can't just be a, I can't just think of an example. It's like pull back and, and, and willy-nilly and let it go and, and expect to be a really good archer. If you don't follow some basic principles of, of bracing, of anchoring, of release, of the way you aim, etc. So again, just in a nutshell, to separate the the people who embody bigger principles and philosophies that we that we want to follow versus the actual principle and philosophy. And and, and with that, um, you know, the uh, like uh, my business partner's Mormon, which. 
you know, you dive, you can find holes in, in all religions. And when I say, depending upon you, you'll hear the saying, uh, don't uh, mix, uh, I don't know, whatever church and science or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, okay, if you read the Bible, yeah, there's some things in there that are fairly unbelievable. Um, but you have to have faith, right. To, to, you know, I, I did, did a podcast with someone where I talked about that, where I was like, you know, my, and my faith is, has faded and, and my faith hasn't faded in maybe a higher power, not to dig too deep into that, but my faith in certain things has, has gone. And you have to have faith in anything in life that you believe in, I guess you would say. So if you have to your core faith in your specific religion you believe in, and that makes you a better person, why would you, obviously you don't want to, why would you ever want to disparage someone or talk down to them for that? The, the thing that you had yeah. brought up that I have tried to, especially as I've gotten older, is there's primary things that you really want to focus on in life to be a better person and be a good human. Like you said with Archer, you need the right draw length. You need to not shoot too many pounds. You know, you to be a good person, one of the things that I've found is you, 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 you know, no matter what you believe in as far as religion goes is you want to try to be one, a good person and make good, you know, every step you take be in the right direction. But things like forgiveness and things like understanding and, uh, oh, empathy and sympathy and, 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 and things like that. And I would imagine in today's day and age, it's getting maybe more twisted than it was in years past. I'm, I'm curious or harder to deal yeah. with maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And just to, without going too deep in this little bunny hole of separate, like the science and the faith stuff, one of the beautiful things about the Catholic faith is that we really encourage people to lean into it, dig into the science stuff. So this is kind of like the things that we know and understand and the the things that guide our life. And when we speak of faith, it can be kind of hard and, you know, uh, you know, faith or our spirituality, there seems to be sometimes a disconnect from hard, absolute, concrete truths. Okay. But every scientific um, proposition that's put forward to us, we, we accepted initially in a step of faith because we didn't do all that research. We don't know all the answers, but our, our experience of life over time has told us that A plus A and B then leads to C or one plus two equals three. Um, just over and over and over. So to use hunting, for example, uh, for like this thing with, with uh, the, the faith in science, like we don't know that a deer is going to come out at 18 yards, a minute and fi- an hour and 15 minutes after I get into my stand and give a broadside shot. That's our hope. That's our, we have faith that that's going to happen because the trails are here. The scout data tells me that. But there's 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 an aspect that's uncertain about it. But all the experiential data that we've had before leads us to to believe with great hope that that's going to happen. And so to use that 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 image loosely, the, the same as in the, in the spiritual realm, that you know, it, dude, it's it's all a big it's all a big question, which is why it's called faith and not you know this this certitude scientific knowledge. Um, but we base these experiences over and over in life and kind of yeah, make decisions off of those. Like I wouldn't go hunt for deer in a Walmart parking lot. Well, sometimes in Arkansas I would, but not really. It'd be poaching. But um, I mean, like it, I'm not going to see a deer there like I would out in the woods, you know. So you go where the probability is. Um, and then to bring it, wrap this up with your point, it's these higher things of like forgiveness and empathy and sympathy that we got to do. And 
why is that hard? Because we only we have to have those things whenever we're called to like to make a change in a moment. So if somebody has done us wrong, you know, it's the tendency to want to knock their face in, like eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But we have to have this aspect of forgiveness to to break this cycle of evil, and that goes against the the experience that we just had. They did us wrong, so therefore I have to do them wrong. But I have to have that faith, you know, that the deer is going to pass by at 18 yards, to, to step back and, and say, okay, I'm going to forgive. It doesn't make sense in this moment. But all my experiences from the past have told me that forgiveness, although it's hard now, is better in the long run. So that we kind of got deep there. but uh, No, this is yeah, good because, I mean, this is definitely something that I have been working on myself, forgiveness being one of them. And when I say forgiveness mm-hmm. – you know, however you want to look at it. Um, I have um, been criticized recently for maybe talking or, uh, well, I'll just bring it up. Josh Bomar, um, very controversial subject in the outdoor world right now. Josh is a, a yeah. friend. We And when I say friend, you know, we talked about this. I've met him a couple of times, but overall, a, a guy I would consider a friend, a good dude. And when uh, I had interviewed him and it kind of all went south publicly, like, a, you know, Aaron supports poachers and, you know, because I talked to him and, and interviewed him. And one of the things that maybe like, a, I don't even call it, a, uh, it was more of a social, uh, like an exercise and um, almost like people watching in Boulder. As I watch, you know, Boulder, Colorado, it's yeah. like you can just sit there all day and watch people walk by. I'm uh, <laughs> dissecting this like and I'm... You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, when do you when do you dump a friend, right? When when I say that, meaning like, okay, well, unless you're like, a, you know, a pedophile or or doing very, you know, forgiveness, yeah. right? Everyone is loud. Everyone makes mistakes, and forgiving them and understanding, you may not agree, but you sure. at some point in time have to let it go and say, okay, well, they made they they did their time. They um, made mistakes and then you move forward whether that's a friend or an enemy or just in general. And that's hard. I don't know about, I can't speak for women, but it's, I, from the men I know, it seems to be very hard, you know, to do. And, and as a whole, we eat our own and sure, it's a, it's really hard for people at times. And I'm curious your take on this to, um, look at something to, okay, you, you are looking at someone and you are not really looking at them objectively. You're really down on them and not maybe stopping and saying, all right, if I was in that same position, what would I look like? Like, am I perfect? Yeah. Like what, what would happen if that was me? And, and then dissecting that and then kind of coming up with a conclusion to, yeah, if that was me, I, I guess I can, I can understand that. And, and there's probably people listening to this yelling at the computer when it comes out, but for me, especially as I get older, I always look at things like I've done that before. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. I've made that mistake or, yeah, life can be you can get that, de- you know, you can have hard times and make bad decisions. And, I, and I've been there. And if you don't have support or, or again, forgiveness or empathy for someone and maybe help them out, they that may it, it you will not be a better person by not doing that. And you're certainly not going to help them. Sure, man, that's. That is running rampant in our world right now. So the first thing you ask is like, you know, when somebody does something like this, when do you dump them? Like, when do you kick them to the curb? And like the very thing that she said a little bit later on is, well, when would you want to be kicked out? When would you want to be dumped? And 
when we when we flip it around, that that kind of makes it a little bit more subjective, and um, in a good sense, in that we can make a better objective judgment on the other person. And so, um, there are certain things like a level of ethics where sometimes you have to draw a hard and fast line and say we are done, like it's over. But those things are not as common as we want to believe. So these smaller things, like the whole Bomar incident, I've never met the guy in person, just seen his stuff on social and YouTube and watch him for a number of years. He seems like a super genuine dude. And, okay, yeah, he got tied up and stuff, you know, once, maybe twice, whatever. But he seems like a good dude. I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt because, like you said, I know I'm like, hell, I, I'm, I could, that could be me. And in our world, like all of us, we're aware of our own brokenness. But we don't want to face it because that scares us because, I mean, we want to be kings in our own world, right? We want to be the rulers, which requires us to be perfect, quote unquote, you know. And, and so if we can find somebody that's a little bit less perfect than us, even if that means that we magnify one small imperfection of theirs, that takes the spotlight off me. And so that's a thing called scapegoating. We've, you, you know, I'm sure you've probably heard that phrase before, but it's it's easy as soon as you can find one person who sort of embodies an imperfection to put all the spotlight on them and they become the scapegoat so that all of us are kind of free from the burden of that same thing that haunts us as well. And so it's a natural tendency of our broken humanity to find somebody um, who screwed up. You know, all of us are, but focus in and magnify that that screwing up that they did even more if they're a big public figure, which there's some truth to that. Public figures carry the burden of, of, of recognizing the fact that they're, that people watch them. And so therefore uh, a defect in me or you who are public people would be greater than somebody else, some Joe Schmo who doesn't, who doesn't, who's not a public figure. And I don't say that to belittle them, but they just don't have the, the influence, the social influence there would be less of a of a moral you know burden on them, but um, all that to say, it's man like the Bomar example. Just to use that example that you were using, it would be with any of them. We 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 want to find somebody that's messed up and put all the attention on them, so that hopefully other people don't do that to us. And the last thing for this point is one of the one of the reasons we're scared a lot of times. I say that word loosely. To stand with somebody, for example, Josh Bomar. Again, I'm just using this because that's one you mentioned. I'm not trying to beat him up or anything, but standing with him, even when so many people are persecuting him, one of the reasons so many people will not is not because they're worried about Josh's imperfections, but because they're worried about losing friends. And if I stand with somebody else that's broken, that that could possibly make me a victim of the bomb that they throw at the scapegoat. That kind of makes sense. And I'm more concerned about my own my own friendships and my own ego than ultimately than than the person I'm I'm standing there to to help. If that makes sense. No, it it no, oh, believe me, it makes perfect sense. And and uh, yeah, again, on on my end, as I've gotten older, it's it is um, it is uh, how would I put this? Interesting how I was the guy that I really get irritated at today. I was that guy. Um, not long ago, you know, 10 years ago or, or whatever. And then as you 
mature, which I hopefully am maturing and, and uh, just struggle, but I'm growing even though I'm close to 50 now. Um, you know, you, you, you may be with that maturity as, as you say, like um, it, it may have a lot more to do with you and what you're worried about than it is the actual subject matter at hand. Meaning, Oh, I had, um, who else did I have on? We'll shift away from, from Josh. I don't know. I had uh, J- uh, big Chino JP and, and his crew on the, the podcast and they had shot an antelope and, and how they had shot at the end of getting a ticket. And, and I was very curious with getting them on because some of the things they had done, I had a hundred percent done and didn't know that it was wrong. And so I was just like, all right, let's get the info out. I want people to hear this, not in defense of them, but to say, hey, here's a story that everyone can learn from and maybe not get themselves into trouble. And it was amazing to me. And there may have been way more to this. You know how it is. There may be way more to the story, but the general principle of it. And one of the things was media, of course, you know, well, we're not going to support Kafaru. You're supporting poachers. And I'm like, well, define supporting poachers. If I say what they did was right, that's supporting, I guess. But if I say, here's a story, learn from this, and I'm interviewing them, um, and then I'm still friends with them, you know, is that wrong? Is that right? And I've really, and there's many other examples of that today of, okay, when you dive deep in, 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 and I say man, but I, you know, you and I are men and I'm friends with mostly men. So I'm not trying to be chauvinistic or whatever you want to call it, but just men have a trouble, have a lot uh, more. So it seems like of saying I was wrong or I am not yeah. perfect. And you brought it up a minute ago of, let me just find up, find someone, this is not a word, but is wronger than me. Let me find someone yeah. I can bash on to make myself feel better. Um, but it's really a false, uh, what would you, not false hope, but that that's a false feeling. You are not in the long run feeling better. You are at that moment maybe making yourself feel better, but probably broken in t- inside in reality. I, it, from what I'm gathering from all of this, and I, I may not have explained that the best. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's so true. It's, I mean, um, if we can find a target to blame. So I, I went on a couple of hunts. I mentioned that to you a little while ago um, before we started recording out West. And um, w- one of the hunts was up in Idaho. First time ever hunting up there. And it's just an example of how to make the point that you were just making of wrestling with those own, our own imperfections versus laying the blame on something else. So I finally had the chance at the first really first real chance at a bull on public land in my life. It was a rifle hunt, North Idaho, and um, anyhow, ended up losing the losing the bull, and I was absolutely sick over it. And I was going through so many things in my head of all the different things I could blame. Those damn alders, which are a pain in the ass if you ever had to hunt through those things. You can't see 10 yards, and then you can't just push through them. They're like wires. They destroy your visibility. It was steep as hell in those panhandle mountains of, of Idaho. It was wet. The grass was slick. It was raining. It was cold. All these things that I could have blamed me not finding this animal on. And then at the, um, but I just had to keep going through my head like, well, well, I did. I executed everything perfectly. Like there's nothing that I would change about, you know, what happened. And, but what happened was like, I was blaming 
the nature around me. Like, oh, it's too steep or it's too thick or it started raining or the animals just, you know, you did this or that or the caliber wasn't big enough. The gun wasn't big enough or you, you're you shouldn't have done the shot or whatever. And um, anyhow, the, the point I'm getting at is that there were all these variables I was wanting to blame on. But for me, it was a good exercise. It was really cool just for almost four days of just going back through everything. No, Stephen. Everything was executed perfectly. This is why it's called hunting and not shopping. Like, it happens. Even the world's biggest and best hunters, this happens to them. Um, so it doesn't always have to be a person. Sometimes it can be a thing or a situation that we blame on to make our ego feel better. Yeah, and with social media, because for the most part, you are seeing the best of people, what you, what you, what one specific person wants the world to see, whether that be your group uh, that you just shot. You probably didn't post your worst group. It was probably your best, um, your family photo, your whatever, where in reality, that's not true for the most, you know, not true for the most part. Like, um, you know, everybody's got ups and downs. And I try to be as candid about things because I found how much, yeah, it's difficult. This podcast is very difficult for me at, and, and, and it ha others have been as well, because the only reason I do these is that I know how many people, when they listen, it helps. And when I say it helps, if someone's a sphere of influence and other people are struggling and they hear you and I talking about it, like, ah, it's all right to open up, right? It's all right to talk about that. And it is difficult for men specifically, definitely me to say I'm having issues or man, I'm, I'm not doing well today. And, uh, when you have friends that are open to that and, and I can, Bill Burr has a skit that I cannot repeat out loud. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> called banana bananas on his pancake skit. And it's basically <laughs> men die at 40 because of cramming any emotional feeling they have for the first 40 years of their life down deep. So they don't get called a specific name. Uh, there's a lot of mm -hmm. truth to that. And, you know, if, if, if you are someone that you do this as a, you know, profession, if I called you, you know, not as awkward because you're, I'm like, okay, he's going to understand, but can I call my, you know, one of my, you know, quote unquote friends and open up to them? Are they going to get off the phone and criticize me? Are they going to tell other people or are they going to actually be open-minded and help and, and discuss it. And, and it's, it's awkward for, for men. It's one of our major downfalls in my opinion. Yeah. Golly. So many things on, on that point. One, I kind of go backwards. Like, so when we call our friends or, you know, people that we want advice, sometimes they'll just ridicule us or make fun of us. Like, Oh yeah, Aaron, you're a, you're a big baby. You're, you look big on social media and then you're, you're having this meltdown. What a baby. A lot of times it's because the, the friend doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. And yeah. internally they're having a meltdown too. <laughs> and so it's easier to, you know, make you the scapegoat in that situation and say, yeah, you are just a big baby. Suck it up. With, with, with these things of the imperfections and, and you even mentioned, you know, like forgiveness a little bit earlier. It's super hard for us men because I mean, biologically we, we live in the concrete present reality. Like we do shit. Like that's what we do or we do stuff. I should I probably should talk better. We, we do stuff is what we do. You know, like we get stuff done. We go mow the yard. Okay. That's what I do for my family. I fix the leaky pipe. I go to a job and I make a paycheck to raise money to 
feed and take care of my family. Like we get stuff done in a very concrete, tangible way. When I say, hey, I screwed up and I'm sorry. Okay, well, I apologize, but then there's still kind of a, a wound, a scar in that relationship, even though it's kind of healed over. And scars are sensitive, you know, and so that's it's hard for us to just, you know, do the apology, for example, and talk it out with, with somebody and move forward. Or if we've messed up in a similar way, like to recognize, well, I screwed up. All right. How can I move on? You know, learn from this and know that this doesn't define who I am. We um, I, I was reading something the other day. And it was just about, you know, friends. If we had a friend that, you know, this is exercise, what kind of friend would you want? Would you want a friend that loves you for what you do or for who you are? And it's simple, for who you are. You know, that, those are the best friends. The, the things that we do are kind of like bonuses. But we want friends who love us for who we are. But then if you just take those same questions and ask yourself, well, how do you love yourself? Do you love yourself for what you do or for who you are? I love myself for what I do. And so, therefore, whenever I don't do something perfectly, I immediately flip that onto myself, and 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 I'm, I'm a loser, I'm a moron, I'm a screw up, and it's all these lies that I heard as a kid on the playground or in the locker room, or from a mad parent or a mad aunt or uncle, you know, whatever. Um, we all have these wounds down deep, and as grown-ups, whenever we have this trauma or these depressing or anxious moments, or we screw up, what happens is we almost immediately revert to our three and four year old self. And that scares us because we're grown men, grown women, and we don't want to be three or four year olds, but <laughs> you know, we're, we're wrestling with that. Well, and one of the things you said, and, and, and again, I have not been to uh, church in a long time, but I, had a stint there where I was watching the, uh, I call him the blinker, uh, Joel Olstein. Um, not the best, um, had some bumps and hiccups along the way. I think they found money in his wall. I can't remember all the things that <laughs> I was reading about, but generally there was something he said, I don't know, 2009 or 10 that didn't really hit me later. And I use this term or this you know, phrase all the time of you have to love one, someone for who they are, not who you want them to be specifically, I use that in marriage a lot. Like you, mm -hmm. you, you gotta love, like everyone has faults, whatever those faults are. I mean, they're late, they're messy, uh, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so if, if you're constantly trying to change someone and it's because they're late all the time and you're giving them encouragement, ah, that's not a problem, right? You're just like, Hey man, it's not cool when you're late all the time. Not a big deal, right? Yeah. Whatever. But you, you still have to, accept them for their faults because if if you're constantly downgrading or or whatever word you want to use you know someone it's like well that's that person that's who they are and if you're not okay with who they are nothing wrong with it either to just walk away right you just yeah. you, you know what i mean and that's another thing that's sure. that's that's oddly enough like that that a lot of people have talked to me about recently in the last couple of years of there's nothing wrong with walking away from that. Don't downgrade the person. Don't whatever. It's just that relationship may not be for, for you. And that's with, uh, buddies or that's with a significant other, uh, you know, in your relationship, that's another one that's pretty hard for people to wrap their head around. I don't know if you would agree with that, but there's, 
if you're if you're constantly pissed off in your friendship or your relationship, it's probably not a good one. Um, yeah. So you have to be willing to accept those people for who they are, or or not accept them, but but don't make your life and their life miserable by constantly bitching either. Oh yeah, man. Boundaries are tough. You know, it, it sucks to say no. Sometimes when we get pissed off enough, we can say no, but by and large, we don't like telling people no, but, and, and especially with friendships, you know, whether it be a significant other, just a buddy, whatever, but these boundaries. And so it can be easy for us to be walked over to, to paraphrase, you know, scripture passage, like, you know, we won't go into deep on this, but like the greatest commandment is like, love the Lord with everything you got, basically, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we've kind of talked about these things. So putting religion aside, if you love the Lord above all, so put even God aside, love some big principle, like some philosophy that's bigger than this world, that's bigger than space and time. Because if you're just living for things in space and time, you know, that's, that's going to come and go and you're going to be very happy. We have to live for principles that are beyond what we're currently living. Okay. And then the second thing is love others as yourself. So we should be, Focusing on a principle, a truth that's much bigger than us, which changes completely who we are, which then makes us love others, recognizing that they're on the same journey. The problem is, is that we don't know how to love ourselves. And so to kind of take this conversation another step down would be like we've talked about these this crap going on outside of us. And, well, how do we make it concrete? Because almost everyone listening to this, not almost everyone, everybody that listens to this is going to struggle with something whether they admit it or not. And, and one of the, the most important things is like, we got to know who we are. And if we don't know who we are with our strengths and weaknesses, our talents and, and, you know, our warts and our, and our failures, like then there's, it's going to be impossible for us to get along with other people. If we can't wrestle with ourselves and accept our own imperfections, there's absolutely no way we can accept others. So um, that kind of, I think that may have opened up a huge can of worms, but I think a big concrete step for this mental well-being is we got to know who the hell we are and, and learn how to navigate the, own, the storms that are in our own soul before we attempt to go out into this great big world of life. No, I, I agree. And, and again, this is weird, not weird. Uh, as again, as I get older and mature and, and you know, whatever, you keep trying to make yourself a better person and understand things. What you said is a hundred percent true because, and I'll bring up uh, Cam Haynes, like him or hate him or whatever else. I get along with Cam. Rewind years ago, I was somewhat of a Cam hater um, along with other people. And at some point in my life, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why? Why am I like, like, why am I hating on people? And I say that I'm not as, I mean, I'm not nearly as bad as other people, but I was, I took a big, you know, deep look into myself and I did not like what I saw. Cause I'm like, why the, why the, why, I I don't cuss too much, but why am I, why is it that big of a deal? What am I actually hating on? Has that person wronged me? And so when I say that, I mean, this is important for, I mean, you criticize me all you want. I'll die on the cross with this one. Like if you wake up every morning and all you do is bitch about the industry, the, the douche fluencer, the, I mean, whatever you want to call it, this guy sucks. This guy's lying. Think about what is wrong with you inside. 
And, and when I say that, meaning you don't have to agree with any of what those people are doing, but if your prime day-to-day is that, think about what you're taking away um, from your day-to-day life that could be good. And when I say good, you know, it's not that hard to, um, when you take that step of this guy's whatever, this chick's a fake, this is whatever, there's no wrong with talking about that. But what's wrong with your with your soul, right? Like, like truly, like you are full of so much fucking hate. When I don't know, yeah. go shovel shit at the local dog shelter, walk a dog, like volunteer. I mean, figure it out because what you're doing is yeah. not helping humanity. You're making, in my opinion, you're making it worse, and you are broken inside. And and I was that way, and I'm not saying I'm still not, but I'm trying to change that to where it's like, you know what? Instead of you know hating on things you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to help things. Now, I may not agree with a lot of people, but I'm going to help people, whether that be getting people like you on to listen to this or teaching archery or whatever else. Now, I'm not like social media is kind of a grinder for me sometimes, but I truly feel better when I'm doing that than I am. Like when you look at hate pages, for example, the funny ones are kind of funny, but man, what what's going on with that person inside? Um, and I'm rambling on now. Yeah, man, the com boxes on most social media things, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, holy mackerels, people say stuff there that they would never say in person, uh, one, because they probably get punched in the face, and two, because deep down they know it's not right. But there's an aspect of anonymity um, behind the keyboard. They can be anonymous. I can be this total loser, and people won't care. So it allows them, it gives them an, an unhealthy outlet for this piece of rotting life that's in them. Um, you know, we have to get rid of what's dead within us, you know, like if, to think of it like a, like a surgery, a surgery. And that's what our life is about trying to get rid of the, the vices that we have, the problems, because we want to be good people. The majority not, of people that not everyone that's, yeah, I think that's well, the problem, but I, I get what you, I hate to argue with that, but yeah, that's a general, generalization. I would agree. I mean, I've, there's, you know, that's another little bunny hole, but there's, uh, going back to the boundaries, there's been times where I've had people come and want to talk to me countless times for these problems, whatever, and I help them, and then they come back with the exact same thing with with no intention and no desire, no attempt to even change. And there comes a time when I got to say, I'm, I can't waste my time with you anymore because you do not want to change. And, um, and so, yeah, no, I would agree. There are some people that, that don't want to do it, but, um, gosh, yeah. And the, the social media boxes, so often people will leave a comment or something and nine times out of 10, like I'll read those and I'll say, I could sit down with that person and not just me, like it could be anyone and give them three minutes of undivided attention. And they would probably break down sobbing, just crying because finally somebody sees them. A lot of times they're doing that just because they want attention and they're lonely. Yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, I don't, well, I don't think that's true. You're, you're right. And, and again, like people that listen to this and this will be a good example, I I think, and I, you, I mean, I, when you listen to this while we're talking, if every word that I say, or that Steven says, you are finding a rebuttal or a reason to hate or to whatever you want to call it. That is exactly what I'm talking about. 
rather than taking this for two guys trying to improve, maybe people listening in, improve ourselves. If you're listening to this and just yelling like that's whatever, and you, yeah, yeah, you might need to dig a little deeper. I I had to, right, and I'm still doing it. And so, yeah. if I listen to a podcast and I just don't like the content and I think the guy's full of crap, that's totally different. Whether it's tuning or I'm like, I don't tune a bow that way. That's a horrible way to do it. That's not what I'm talking about. It, it's it's generally like when I if I if I have someone that um, if I'm trying to dissect um, uh, a problem or I'm trying to and I'm trying to get a good example about um, where where maybe someone when they hit like a deep deep dark hole for whatever reason when I say that you know we I get a ton of messages guys thinking about suicide or marital issues or whatever is like, what got you there? Are you being constantly negative? How can you make it more positive? And, and obviously at times I'm like, okay, I'm going to call a buddy and, and talk to that buddy and, and just get my, mm-hmm. get it out. Right. Just, just talk. And yeah, I, well, I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of times if someone had someone like you to dissect it, it may be right in front of you and don't even realize what's going on in their brain. It may be right there and you just don't realize what is, why you're being that way or, or whatever. And that was a horrible way to describe that, but. Yeah. Yeah. To, to make a transition into this point, using the, the, the comment boxes from social media, a lot of times when people do that stuff, it's because they're so uncomfortable with their self. And, and so that's an outlet. And so, uh, an unhealthy outlet, but they need to have healthy outlets. Like you just mentioned, having these friends and stuff to talk to, which sounds like so mushy gushy and dudes, we don't like that, but it's freaking true. And we need somebody that we can talk to. And in most of our lives, that number is going to be less than five, probably around maybe two, possibly three people that you could call and talk to them about anything. Some people, it's only one person. And that's, just if you only have like one or two people in your life that's like that, does it make you a bad person? I mean, that's what most people are like. Um, the what I had a big realization this last time to go back to the same with the, the bull that I hit and lost. Like it, it really did something inside me, like in a bad way. Like it frustrated me. I was mad. I was sad, confused. But the the big realization that I took away from, and I was trying to make sense. Well, why the hell do I keep coming out here? to these Western states, paying all this money, all this time, getting my ass kicked. Why do I do this? And then like the, the realization that I got was it, it hunting teaches me to be okay with the uncontrollables of my life, which derails most of us. If we mess up in something in life and we know why we did it, why we messed up or how we messed up, we're learning from it. We can justify that. I talked about that a little bit earlier. But when we do everything within our control, you know, more or less perfect or the best we can and, and crap still goes wrong, we don't know what to do. And that really short circuits us. And hunting is a perfect example of that. I can go out. The wind can be perfect. My stand can be in a good spot. My equipment can be dialed in. Everything can be perfect. I, the, the deer does not have to follow the same trail. And the deer can come up and then turn around halfway through. And you think, well, why did that happen? Well, that's an uncontrollable. Like I didn't, con- I can't control that. And so having these people that we can talk to or trust are the ones who like can see us for, for who we are and not the uncontrollables. 
Um, a good friend will not judge you because of the uncontrollable things in your life, if, if that makes sense. And so who, who are those people in our lives? You know, have one person. And then just a simple thing that helps me, and it may sound like weird, but it, it works, is just writing crap out. I personally like to use pen and paper. Nine times out of ten, like I can't even read what I write, but I just want to like kind of journal this out, just a, a high or a low. And I do it a lot when I'm hunting. Just kind of like recap the day. You can do it on your phone. You can do it wherever. But there's something powerful about getting out of you this funk that's inside and writing it out, talking it out. Another thing that I'll do when I go hunting is when I'm walking back to camp and, you know, the dark, you know, doing the walk of shame, didn't kill anything again today. Sometimes I'll pull my phone out and do a video, either selfie mode or forward, whatever, because it's dark. And I'll just talk into the video like I'm recording it to me 20 years from now and nine times out of 10 i'll just delete them later but there's something about getting it out of me um which is kind of bringing it back to the point of, sorry i've talked a long time on that but we got to get the funk out of us it's cancerous and if, if it stays in it's going to kill you um and so we got to find ways to get that out so when you're talking about that we'll go let's go back to your like your elk hunt um you know obviously i've, I've been in the same position where and I'm not, I say same position. I'm not, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying is where you were at, but, uh, you know, when you get ready for a hunt, you get ready by shooting, you get ready physically, get, you get your gear ready. How do you get ready mentally? Right. And, and so, and <laughs> yeah. this, that's a big, I can tell you, that's a really big part of solo backpack hunting. Cause you are on your own with your own thoughts and demons and, one of the things where I'm able to be gone as much as I am is because I've become more or less at peace of whatever, not all, but whatever issues or demons I've had. And I've talked about this before on many podcasts of a friend I didn't treat right. I didn't call back a, a woman that I, I treated like crap or I, I broke up with a text and never, I don't know, but whatever, whatever you, uh, a, I wasn't as good of a father as I should have been or whatever, or, or son, as I should have been, those will come up, I promise you, on a solo backpack yeah. hunt. They're coming. When you make peace yeah. with those things, and that may be that you decide you're going to make peace with them while you're back there, and then you reconcile those when you get back. But getting ready mentally, and I don't just mean mental toughness, because there's, in my opinion, t several different types of mental toughness, meaning you can mentally take pain. That's one. Mm -hmm. You can mentally uh, will yourself to do things that most other people wouldn't do. But can you mentally will yourself to get through your your demons? And uh, and I may not be explaining that correctly, but that happens all levels when you're on a hunt. And it sounds like you had that happen to you on this last one. <laughs> yeah, I joke around, but I'm kind of serious about it that if I do not some experience some sort of emotional crisis when I'm hunting, then I, I wasn't hunting hard enough. Now hunting, it's not about just hammering it and like just, uh, uh, you know, just pushing to that extreme limit. But if I'm genuinely hunting, I'm forced to reckon, reckon with those demons, you know, with those, those thoughts, whatever it may be. And there's a couple of things. So in the moment, which is probably the harder part, what do you do? And I would say like, what I was doing this on that, that last hunt in Idaho was I would have a general plan. Okay, today I'm going to go hunt this ridge and this basin, and that's it. Like, if I can get that done, 
that that was the goal for today. Or I'm going to go sit this spot over this dead deer carcass, hoping that a mountain lion comes in over the day. You know, so having concrete things instead of saying I'm going to wake up and hunt today, you have 130,000 acres in front of you. What are you going to hunt there? <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to hunt this ridge or this basin. I'm going to this finger. But having concrete things for the day. Another thing is, um, as simple as it sounds, make lists on your phone or on a piece of paper of the crap that you think of. Whenever I'm out hunting, I think of like me as a son and all the times I've just been an ass to my mom. And I'm like, damn it, just give your mom some time. Just talk to her. She likes to jibber jabber. I hate chit chatting on the phone. Just call your mom and let her chit chat for 20 minutes. Okay. You know, whatever. But make a list. Talk to mom. You know, visit the kids at the school. Get your shit done in the office and quit procrastinating. You know, all these different thoughts I'm thinking about. Call so and so and apologize for being a jerk to them five years ago. But because we'll think of those things and they're real thoughts, they're real experiences. So, you know, do something concrete to, 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 you know, make them happen. Um, before the hunt, so in the moment, like have plans, concrete plans. Um, and then just don't be afraid of writing stuff out, making a list of your thoughts, you know, good and bad things you need to do, whatever. Um, before, I mean, like the mental toughness stuff, it's, it's all over the place now, but it really works if you do it for the right reason. There can be a lot of ego and pride in it, especially with social media. But if you do some of these mental toughness things, whether it be ice baths, fasting, um, you know, two of those, for example, those actually can go a long way. And more generally put, I challenge people to do at least one thing every day that they don't want to do. And it doesn't have to be crazy. So, for example, I hate folding clothes. I'm a priest. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't know how I have so much dirty laundry. Like it's <laughs> I'm nonstop washing. So I for families with spouses and kids, I understand now the pain. <laughs> like I, I feel bad for them, but I hate folding laundry because I'm going to wear this stuff in two days anyways. <clears throat> so I fold it. Well, I had an experience. And um, a number of years ago, I had a pile of clothes in a recliner in the living room. I was walking by it for a number of days. And then kind of like the Lord, like metaphorically speaking, you could say, like I heard the Lord say to me, like I stopped in the middle of the room and I just saw that clothes, saw the clothes. And I kind of felt like a slob, so there was a moment of conviction. And then it's almost <laughs> like in my heart I heard the Lord say to me, like, dude, if you can't fold the clothes in that chair – how do you expect to take care of the souls in your church? I was like, wow, that's, that's such a good point. How can I lead these people to be better people if I can't even fold the damn clothes in that chair? So for me, something as simple as the inconvenience of folding clothes is a discipline that, like, it helps me in the backcountry emotionally, if, if some of that stuff makes sense. No, it, it does. And I, I think that, um, and obviously this is multiple different levels we're talking about of, of toughness, but like you said, uh, you know, and there's all kinds of motivational quotes and I, all kinds of stuff you find on, on, on the web every day, but like, you know, this is why we do hard things. Testing yourself when yeah. you're t- like, I do ice baths every day to the point now where I'm addicted to them. 
And when I first, I am not a fan of cold weather. So when I first got in there, it was like 30 seconds and, you know, I've, you know, obviously hunting in the cold and been shivering uncontrollably, but you're doing something that you want to do at that time. And part of that may be the suffering of being cold when you're in a warm house and you hop in an ice bath, it, to me, it's Mm -hmm. different. And, you know, so, so pushing yourself to do little things. And I was, I was laughing last night. I was, I was, I was carrying a deer and, uh, you know, I was looking at the truck and it was, I don't know, whatever, you know, 300 yards away, 200, 150. And I literally was like, man, I really don't want to carry this deer. I'm going to stop, take a break. And then me being me, I'm like, nope, you are going to make it. Well, I can tell you, I will carry you, Stephen, much farther than probably I should in comparison to folding laundry. And when I say that, meaning yeah. if you said, Aaron, there's a pile of clothes, fold those clothes or carry Stephen 200 yards. I am packing you, I promise, before I fold those clothes. <laughs> um, and so mm, for me to kind of add to what you're saying is, I, I had to really start working on not just things that are really tough, but things that are really tough for me. And that probably doesn't make that much sense, but everybody has their own weaknesses. Folding clothes would definitely be one of mine, but, um, you know, you, and, and that will help you in the, the back country. Now, how much will that will help you with your demons? Probably not at all, but it's part of the, the big, the big picture of the total package to me of, of working on yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. But because what you bring up is, um, intrinsic value. Clothes don't have any value. They serve a purpose. Their value is fulfilled in as much as they serve the purpose. So this shirt has value in as much as it clothes me. But you and I have value regardless of what we do. We could be the biggest slobs, but there is still an inherent dignity that every human being has, the richest and the poorest, the prettiest and the ugliest, like as a human being. And so therefore, there's there's one is more willing to suffer for that other person with the greater intrinsic value um i was just thinking on those like the 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 physical challenges like of ice baths or carrying the deer and this kind of suffering um those are good and they do have a value i would invite or kind of challenge guys or gals to to also do intellectual challenges too okay so For example, if I get in an ice bath and I say, I'm going to be in here for four minutes and I get to three and I say, I've got to get out. We can come to terms with that failure because, hey, it was 40 degrees. Who wouldn't get out? I already did three minutes. So that's pretty damn good. Or if I want to lift a weight and it's I find my limit and then I can't lift it. Okay, well, good. I maxed out. So there's still a, a value in that failure. One of the harder things are the intellectual struggles. And so, um, Two examples I would give would be one would be writing. Again, I mentioned that. Take some of the biggest, strongest men. They could lift a bunch of weight. They could get to all these different points of physical failure. But if I were to say, hey, sit down with two sheets of notebook paper, and I want you to write out on these two sheets of notebook paper sort of your life story in two pages. Oh, gosh. Like some guys would struggle with that. Or if I wrote, say, like, hey, here's a challenge, write down the greatest gift that you have and how you use that to better humanity. Write down your biggest weakness or your biggest struggle and all the ways that that biggest weakness 
has made you a better person through the struggles and the trials about it. Those big, strong men would crumble. They wouldn't be able to do it because they're not intellectually and mentally strong enough. So doing those kind of mental exercises is, is one thing. Another thing that's freaking huge um, is silence. Like we can't stand silence. So I would challenge people like on their drives, like maybe, you know, a few times a week, either going to or home from work, turn the radio off, nothing at all. Or try to go when you wake up in the morning, wait until 12 o'clock to check social media and your emails or whatever. But these little bitty things of silence or fasting are, are, a, are a big deal. Uh, and they, they, they really help a lot. I don't know how I got going on that little bunny hole. I'm sorry for about that. <laughs> but, no, no, that's good. Well, so when you were on, actually, before I keep talking, how are you doing on time? Good. I got about five minutes or so. Gotcha. So when you were doing, like when you were on your, uh, cause this podcast isn't too much different than the first one. Uh, I, I think it threw you off the first one we did. Cause you, I think you thought we were probably going to talk about hunting all the time when we talked about the same things <laughs> we're talking about, you know, now. And, and when I say that, I'm not taking away from the value of, of the, the hunting stories or the fact I didn't, the fact that, uh, uh, we, uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, when I have someone like a, I don't know, whoever, uh, a, a really good hunter that is not saying you're not one, but that is known for hunting and that's all they've ever done. And they've got a couple hundred animals on the ground. They're, they're general, you know, that's, that's their thing. And we're going to talk about that and maybe rabbit hole into other things where with you, you're a yeah. hunter, which is great. So you understand on some of the subjects we're talking about that, that where, it, where it kind of crosses over, but you know, obviously mm-hmm. you're a Catholic priest. So you're, you're, <laughs> You're, you're going to help people far more from maybe what you dealt with while you were hunting other than actually hunting, if that makes any sense at all. And so, and, 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 and the thing like it, it it is amazing, like with everything we talk about and like the COVID thing, when we went through COVID and all the crap that happened with that, you know, the, the focus that was on physical fitness, diet and nutrition was really far lower to me than it should have been during that time. And when I, when I say that, meaning, you know, staying away from if you got the jab or not, but really I thought there should have been from the, from literally from the, from the government down a much higher focus on straight up nutrition and fitness rather than other things we were focusing on. And it seems today, not that we all want to talk about this every day or every podcast that there is a general focus on tuning your bow. There's a general focus on physical fitness, but man is, is men. We do not focus on mental health nearly enough as much as we should. And so having you on, while it's cool to talk about hunting, it was that portion of it where you can kind of, since you've been there, done that, and you know, also hunt, you kind of get what I see when I'm getting X, we just don't focus on it enough. And, Part of it's important to me because I get hundreds of messages about guys specifically really struggling. And, and, and that's why, you know, these are really good. And I, you know, appreciate you hopping on to do it. Yeah. Well, thanks for the, the opportunity. And all of us have, you know, different talents or gifts. Everyone does. And so it's important to find those things and use them. And, and, you know, um, and so if I can help people with, the, with that you know, emotional side, the spiritual side, you know, that, that non-material side, I'll be glad to help however I can. 
if I get to have fun hunting on the way, then it makes it even better. <laughs> well, at some point we'll have to go, go hunting and, uh, you, uh, I can, uh, I don't know, teach you, help you tune a bow or something and you can help me, uh, my brain. So my, my soul, so to speak. So I, uh, that would be awesome. We will have to link up and, and hunt sometime for sure. That'd be great. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, man. And, and, uh, yeah, if anyone listening, you know, just need someone to talk to, of course, social media is kind of a superficial thing, but that's probably the easiest way for them to connect with me. Just thanks, shoot me a message and I'll try my best to respond. Sometimes I kind of get sucked into like the, the machine of the robots, but, um, I try to respond to pretty much all the messages that I can. Cool. Yeah. Well, where can they, where can they, what, where, where are you at on, on social? What's your, your handle? Instagram is probably the biggest thing I use. It's um, just Father Stephen J. Gadbury. Father Stephen J. Gadbury, all spelled out. Um, and uh, there, I mean, it'll be pretty obvious. You'll see pictures of me like working out or hunting or with my dogs or whatever. But yeah, that's that, that'd be the place for them to find. Cool man. Well, I I really appreciate it. Little Rock, they can come here. Yeah. What's that again? Well, thanks a lot, Aaron. I, I said I'm in Little Rock too, so if anyone's ever in Little Rock, they can swing by and see me here. Well, I will definitely if I'm down there. Um, so yeah, thank you again. I knew I knew you're kind of crunched for time, so I really appreciate you making the time to be on here. Yeah, keep up the good work. Thanks for asking all the good questions, man. Take care. Take care.